Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and Allison Giddens here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Allison, how are we doing this afternoon? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? We're doing wonderful. Did you see just how I went from morning to afternoon in like the snap of a finger there? Seconds. Well, sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes the days (laughs) go by really fast. (laughs) You are right. Well, hey, today, speaking of moving through a lot of content very quickly, we've got an outstanding conversation teed up. We're going to be talking about the seemingly endless peak season for retailers in recent months, new innovative partnerships, how technology is driving a lot of that, and how technology is really driving uh, enhanced customer experience uh, these days. And that's just tip of the iceberg, a lot more here. So are you ready to go, Allison? Yes, I am. Wonderful. Well, let's dive right in and welcome our guests here today. First up, we've got a wonderful friend of the show, repeat guest, rock and roll star, Sean Muthuvelu, CEO at UC Boss. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Scott. Uh, it's a, it's gr- great to be here, though Atlanta is really cold and chilly outside, but you always want to make us, uh, you know, warm, warm. I appreciate that, Sean. You've made my day. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and I've noticed, by the way, uh, you've got, a, you brought one heck of a, a, a guest and friend with you, but man, y'all really, you've been doing a lot of speaking, a lot of problem solving. You've been out there uh, on the move across industry. So we look forward to getting an update. So welcome in, Sean. And let's let's um, in- introduce who uh, is joining you here today, Venkat Gopalan, Chief Digital Officer, Chief Technology Officer, Chief Data Officer with Bellcorp. Venkat, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. Uh, pleasure to be here and uh, sharing some experience and learnings and uh, looking forward to an amazing conversation today. We are too. I tell you, I really enjoyed the pre-show conversation with you both. I already learned a couple of things just in that. And speaking of warm, because uh, Sean made my day a minute ago, down in, you're in Miami, where the weather's probably a lot nicer than the 30-degree day we had here in the metro Atlanta area, Ben Cat. Yeah, uh, I can't complain. Uh, so Miami has uh, been in the news for good and bad. So I would not mention the bad part of it. At least the weather has been good. <laughs> well, at least the weather down in Miami is almost as hot as a supply chain industry here, here lately. And we absolutely no denial about that. That's right. A- amen. So looking forward to diving into both of your expertise and as well as a little bit of uh, your story here today. So where we're going to start initially, which I want to do a little level setting, right? Of course, Sean's been with us before, but let's give uh, Sean, if you don't mind, for folks who may have missed those earlier episodes, just tell us a little bit about uh, UC Boss and what the company does. Oh, thanks, Scott. So, um, uh, UC Boss is, is a no-code supply chain cloud software, uh, and, and we want enterprises to uh, imagine their supply chain in an innovation time loop. That means we want them to go reinvent, reimagine, and redesign their supply chain continuously with zero cost and zero code, right? but with lots of value. And, and we are trying to change, uh, you know, how enterprises, uh, you know, transform themselves and, and we are challenging the status quo. Uh, and and uh, we are in the making of, you know, six years. And now for the last one year, we are doing really good penetrating the market. Love that. So it's like a dynamic interpretation of the organization is what UC Boss is powering. Allison, is that what you heard too? Yep, definitely. It's it's not about the uh, keep doing what you've been doing. It's something different. That's right. All right. So, Vincat, welcome to Supply Chain House. Your first appearance here today. We've been tracking. We've been doing our homework a little bit on you. And as we as we mentioned in the pre-show, uh, you've had some big wins here lately as well. So, tell us a little bit about Bellcorp and and what the company does. Thank you, Scott, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, Bellcorp is a beauty cosmetic leader in Latam. We are the leader in the ninety percent of the market we are in. Taller uh, thirteen countries. Bellcorp started way back in 1969 as a, a, a beauty and cosmetic uh, company, focused predominantly in direct selling. Uh, the mission was to actually enable women entrepreneurs uh, so they're able to be uh, distribution partners and extension of Bellcorp. In the last two, three years, uh, we have focused more into direct-to-consumer model, 
and moving the consultants more of a beauty advisor and influencer and enabling her and providing digital tools to manage effective relationship with the consumers as such. We have three brands, Jessica Label and Sizone, uh, targeting different consumer demographics. Our plan is to expand eventually to other markets. Uh, that's why he started the office in Miami, uh, most probably in North America, as well as in Southeast Asia, given Southeast Asia being uh, the center of gravity for beauty. Wow. I, I love that unique history. And it sounds like growth is the order of the day at Bellcorp. Yeah. Uh, so, Allison, on that, we've got a great conversation teed up. We know a little more about our guests now. Where are we going next with uh, uh, Sean and Venkat? Yes. So now that we know what drives them during the day, I'd like to know how they're able to unplug. So, I mean, it, how as far as recharging your batteries on the weekend uh, when you're not living and breathing supply chain, uh, Shan, what, what, what do you have going on? Great. If, if it is not, you know, UC Bus work, uh, uh, you know, what's going on with me is uh, one is uh, we are doing some construction uh, in terms of, you know, bringing up new offices for UC Boss. So that's definitely fun stuff because, you know, procuring the land and, uh, you know, redesigning uh, office space. And that's that's been fun. Uh, and also I've realized, you know, this is all going to go uh, go on forever. And I don't think I, I can ever take my eyes off of a supply chain. So recently I've started giving, giving some of my uh, wealth and some of my time back to the community, uh, you know, so I started from my hometown building an orphanage. So, so that you know, I I'm, I also have a a journey towards uh, you know something uh, you know fulfilling for me and my family. Wow, Sean, that is remarkable. Uh, I think in your last appearance, you didn't share that with us. Is that is that a really new initiative? Uh, yes, you know, uh, you know, few, few years ago, uh, ago, my father passed away. So I, then I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm not the young son anymore. I have a responsibility that I have to do and I have to live up to his expectations and I have to continue his legacies. That's a reason that changed. That is awesome. That's, that's incredible. That legacy leaving. That's a, that's a very neat, neat thing. And I'm sure your father is very proud. Thank you. I'd love to hear from Venkat. What do you have going on in terms of recharging your batteries and anything that you're participating in that gets you excited? You know, we are living in a very unprecedented time with pandemic, but I had a baby girl in October of, uh, oh, sorry, June of 2020. And so I had, she's 18 months old. So she takes majority of my time over the weekend. <laughs> I'm learning every single day, <laughs> being a father. Congratulations. Uh, so that being aside, uh, the second part is I spent some time uh, advising some of the startups uh, based in Bay Area. And then I read a lot. So I have a huge library at home, even though I have a Kindle, but I, I'm a fan of having actual physical books, so uh, so I do I do read a lot. So those are the three that keeps me busy during the weekends. Oh, that's incredible. This so knowing that you all have very very busy lives, whether it's work related, home related, community related, and everything in between. Where as we kind of enter this hectic end of year time, this transitional time into the beginning of 2022, what's a key supply chain observation or two? And I imagine you may have a couple only because it sounds like your hobbies kind of overlap work. And that speaks to me because that tells me that you really enjoy enough of what you do that it becomes part of your weekends too. So I don't know, give us some insight on your key supply chain observations. Uh, maybe I'll take the question first. Um, so when you look at supply chain, it's always looked at a cost center, you know, uh, last uh, several decades. And uh, I think no other verticals or an area is more disruptive has been disrupted or more disrupted or disrupted in the last uh, few years, especially the post-COVID area. When we look at that, whether it's uh, just-in-time manufacturing or lean manufacturing changes to that, uh, whether you look at uh, container shortages, global trading issues, uh, you look at uh, port congestion, uh, as been like every disruption that you can see, I think supply chain has had in 2020 and as well as 2021. And uh, hopefully we'll get to the endemic uh, because uh, the COVID situation also creates more disruption. And the consumer shift moving to more of the digital creates a, 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 an enormous amount of challenges for the several organizations. Compared to the digital native organizations like Amazon or eBay, uh, traditional brick and mortar moving uh, their sales into online requires a huge shift in terms of supply chain. And that means the focus of the organization beyond the customer experience is the supply chain, the investments that's driving across the board 
making sure that we are able to deliver the product at the right time at the right uh, place uh, becomes even more critical from that standpoint. So no longer I would say supply chain is a cost center. Supply chain is a more competitive advantage for every organization in the new world. And obviously it has its own set of challenges that we need to solve for. The decades of uh, certain uh, methods and processes that we have done has to be re-looked at and reinvented. Um, but I think this is a, a fantastic opportunity for organizations, professionals, uh, to be part of the supply chain transformation. Great. I think you're right. I think it's a whole different world, a whole different way of looking at supply chain and its role in industry across the board. Shan, what about you? Allison, really quick. I like how what he finished on is that supply chain, I think one of the silver linings, and, and you got to look hard sometimes in the last two or three years uh, to really find them, but one of them is certainly how su- the visibility that supply chain has, has received is going to help it get the talent that it needs to come in an industry to, to drive some of the transformation that we're going to, that Vincat just spoke about and we'll be talking about kind of throughout today's show. So I, I love that perspective, Vincat. Sorry, Allison, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, you're Vincat right. got my, uh, my juices got going there for a second. Supply chain of talent, we got to have a lot more of it. You got that right. Shan, what about you? Great. Uh, so, you know, living and breathing, uh, you know, coming from a Manhattan Associates, uh, <laughs> uh, right, uh, then just learning Oracle and others, uh, you know, supply chain is always uh, challenging and fascinating, right, whether it's a port congestion or labor shortages. But the last few months, what what is really exciting me is the education uh, needed for the enterprises on new technologies. I feel that it's over because they now understand you know, they can go to all cloud, they can go to all AWS, you know, Google, uh, Azure, uh, and they can put, you know, cloud solutions, they can build cloud solutions, uh, they can embed AML, they understand no SQL, no code, uh, you know, low code, uh, you know, all kinds of new stuff, right? Uh, so, so that means they are ready for the uh, you know, if, if you take, you know, Pfizer, right, you know, you don't have to wait for three years for a vaccine. We can bring it out in six months. That means it's a new way of innovating things. Likewise, enterprises, even even Venkat always brings it up, you know, he, you know, when we say I got these five new things, he will say, what about the sixth one and seventh one, right? He is ahead in asking the, the cutting edge technologies and, and they're bold uh, right now to, to try new things. And that's exciting time, right? Uh, you know, yeah. I love that. A lot less constraints, Allison, is what I heard in, in part of, of Shane's answer there, right? Yep. Just rocking and rolling, getting it, getting the show on the road. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get a little deeper. We're going to get more into retail here in a second. But before we do, Vincat, we've got to give you a big high five because as part of our team's uh, due diligence, uh, whenever we get a guest here at Supply Chain Now, we uncovered that uh, here in recent months, I think it was last summer, that you were... Uh, recognized with a Digital Disruptors Award in speaking of the transformations in, in the transformation category. So really quick, what did that mean to you? Uh, how special was that? I think uh, for me, the recognition is more for my team, uh, more than me. Uh, when you look at a, a job of a leader, is about enabler. So I'm just a face for them. And so I'm happy to see that my team has been recognized. And I think... Uh, and the transformation can can be done by anyone. Uh, even though majority of my experience has been US-based, uh, last two and a half years, I uh, took this role for Belcock from Latin America. So we were able to actually put uh, Belcock at the center of the uh, because of this award. So I'm, I'm glad and happy for the team uh, more than for me. Love that. And for some reason, Alice, I just knew he was going to take the team approach uh, as we talked about his, his recognition with that award. I love that uh, sign of a great leader. Okay. So let's get more, let's get, let's do some more heavy lifting. Let's get into uh, retail and, you know, kind of looking back a little bit with this recent peak season, pretty unique peak season to, to many would say the peak season that never ended. So I want to talk about customer promise. So I want to pose a couple of questions to y'all and, and Ben Cat will stick with you. What's your take on customer promise? How are we holding up on the customer promise reliability score? And what are some of the challenges we're facing on meeting customer promise. So, Vincat, your thoughts? Wow. Okay. Uh, that's a tough one. So, uh, let me try to crack the nut. 
So when you look at, obviously, I, I look at the customer promise in within the customer experience aspect of it. Now the digital uh, transformation has turned into digital acceleration. That means that consumer immediacy needs has been uh, a huge challenge for the last 18 months. Uh, and as I talked about before, uh, digital native companies are actually uh, built for this. Amazon has actually prepared for the last 15 years for this event. So they were able to realize and able to scale. And when you look at the traditional brick and mortar other companies, it's been it's a shift. You're flipping a switch on a day in uh, March of 2020, and you're saying, hey, we are going to go online and uh, because of all the shutdowns, and that means people are buying online, and that means the experience throughout it is very critical from the consumer experience, always fulfilling the product and having the right product at the right time becomes even more critical. When you look at from grocery delivery to restaurant delivery, you look at the essentials and non-essentials. I, I think it's across the board that uh, the digital acceleration has happened. So one of the key stats, if you really look at the e-commerce growth in US uh, for the last 10 years has been achieved in the first uh, three to six months in 2020. You know, that's that's a tremendous leap that we look at. The software is an easy part to scale. The long pole in the tent is always the supply chain, right? Because you have you're all of these things from planning, production, uh, you look at uh, manufacturing, all of this have to be taken into consideration to fulfill uh, customer progress, including customer service as well. And so that uh, that created a huge challenge for uh, several companies, several verticals, which are all uh, digital natives who are not prepared for this event. Even I think Amazon has to do several things to make that happen. I would say it has been extremely challenging in the last 18 months, and especially last year, I would say, uh, given all the changes, including the chip shortage, the container short shortage, the Suez Canal impact that had. So we are going to live with this uh, supply chain impact for quite a while, you know, for the next two to three years. That to recoup, to come back to the uh, 2019 level. And obviously, uh, consumer habits are going to change. Uh, some of them are long-term and some of them are short-term. Uh, we are all uh, human beings. We are all social. Uh, obviously, there is a pent-up demands of last 18 months that we wanted to meet with people. But the digital convenience is here to stay. So the things, uh, for example, I'm not going to go, go for grocery delivery because I'm so used to Instacart, right? <laughs> Certain convenience that people are going to look at and saying, okay, I'm going to use the dig digital aspect of it. So the the increase that we see in 18 months is not going to be sustainable uh, in terms of the demand that I see. Obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, so I'm speaking from my intuition here and some data points. Uh, obviously, but definitely we do see uh, that uh, organizations have to rethink the entire supply chain. That includes uh, not, not on uh, reliance on China, uh, dual sourcing becomes a very critical aspect of it, neo-shoring becomes important aspect of it, or even regional supply chain becomes uh, a very important aspect to look at that. Also, uh, from sourcing, production, planning, uh, customer service, every aspect uh, uh, has to be looked at for the customer promise, right? And, and that, what it means is that for an organization, right, we, uh, any typical enterprise has legacy systems, uh, systems are built for a specific purpose, right? Whether it's warehouse management systems or planning systems, and all of them uh, requires uh, uh, data that needs to create visibility. You need instant visibility to make quicker decision. The speed is the name of the game uh, in terms of consumer immediacy as well for the business to react. Uh, when you look at uh, traditionally the digital transformation, everybody has, has their own sweet time, three, four years. Now, whether it is a retail, CPG, every every vertical has to be on the digital acceleration. So everybody's right. pressed to do that, right? And that creates a tremendous amount of pressure on competition to stand out uh, across, uh, um, across the crowd and from the competition. And that requires that your systems have to scale. You need to have a clear data across all of these different disparate or siloed systems. And that requires a whole different uh, thinking, right? No organization is going to come back and saying, hey, I'm going to replatform. Or no one, so there is no silver bullet across different parts of the supply chain. We need a solution which brings the data across all of this desperate system without disrupting the existing investment of the companies and able to provide the insights what's happening in a real time, anywhere, anytime to make those decisions. And I think that's the need of the hour, if I, if I would say, from a customer promise and the reliability standpoint. Sir. Okay. Going way back to what you said about halfway through your answer, that instant visibility. We're getting closer and closer. And in some cases, it's already here. But I would argue, and then y'all can probably uh, offer up your observations with global enterprise and, and some of our bigger supply chains, that becomes much more challenging, much, much more challenging. Heck, it, visibility in the same month can be challenging in some of these global enterprises, as we've seen here in, in the last couple of years in particular as some of our sourcing decisions have been have, have come into question. So I appreciate your uh, Vincat offering up your perspective first. I want to go to uh, 
Sean next. Sean, customer promise, customer promise, reliability, scoring, challenges we're seeing. What comes to mind for you, Sean? So as, as Winkler was saying, right, the, the customer promise reliability has really gone down, uh, right? Because, uh, right, you know, whether it is a supply chain disruption, uh, right, or even a company which is really growing because of this situation, uh, right, it's uh, taking it, this as an opportunity. But the challenges are still challenges for them, meaning, you know, they were not able to scale up. They were, you know, they're short of, uh, you know, labor. Uh, then their processes are not fully automated. And trying a different, uh, you know, delivery model or a product line, uh, right, it, you know, they don't, they're not, uh, you know, skilled. Uh, in terms of solutioning, in terms of engineering, in terms of processes to handle that. So the, the reliability scores are sort of going down, uh, right? Uh, so, so, you know, those are attributable to, uh, you know, how inflexible your systems are, how inflexible your production lines are, how inflexible your processes are. But, but Venkat is also bringing up a great point right, you know, your data is not real time, right? You don't have the real time visibility as an enterprise, uh, not just within your enterprise, it could be your suppliers, uh, uh, you know, supply chain, it could be their, uh, you know, supplier supply chain, right? So, so the trend is gonna be, we need to increase the customer reliability score, right? Enterprises have to pay attention, but it cannot be done uh, in the traditional way, meaning I am going to integrate uh, with every system. I am going to, you know, rebuild you know, new systems, right? And I'm going to still take the four to five years to, you know, go with one ERP, go with one system, right? Uh, even after mergers and acquisitions, I'm going to, you know, follow one process, right? It's not going to work, you know, uh, you know, that's what we point out. How can you you know, can you imagine, right? You know, uh, uh, you know, it, it, as if in a time loop, I want to redo my supply chain, uh, you know, uh, scenarios, supply chain orchestration, supply chain strategies differently in a very, very short period, looking for the right outcome. If the outcome is bad, change it. But you don't have years, right? Maybe four to six weeks, you try something. If it works, stick to it and enhance it. If not, drop it and move on. But you can't spend, uh, you know, uh, you know, unlimited resources and unlimited money on it, right? You need to do it at a very low cost, no cost, right? Low code, no code. That should be the trend year to go. And uh, you, they have to increase the, you know, customer reliability score. If not, they are going to be, you know, taken out by Amazon and other big companies, right? So as, right. as I, know, I don't know if you noticed, Venkat said, right, ninety percent, right? That's a market share that he's talking about. So, so you don't want the world where. Uh, there are only a few companies, right? So, you know, to, to encourage new companies going up, they need to be very creative and innovative. I love that uh, for a couple of different reasons. And Alice, I want to get your take on what uh, Vincat and uh, Sean have shared. But, you know, we don't have the luxury of time and we don't have the luxury of, of and there once was uh, the luxury of overanalyzing what we wanted to do and, and how we wanted to pivot the, the aircraft carrier or the battleship and slowly turn all that is out the window, as both uh, our guests are, are pointing out. Also, I love how Sean talked about from years to weeks. I tell you, sometimes it feels like we've got maybe days or mere hours to make a decision in today's environment. But Allison, what stood out to you? There were two things, and I, I kept taking notes, but the two of my favorites were, Venkat, you said something that I feel like it's so succinctly put that you have you have said what I've been thinking all along. And that is, you talked about those pent-up social needs that we have post-pandemic or now that we're in this endemic stage or whatever you want to call it, but the digital convenience is here to stay. And I think that is key because we keep thinking that we're going to go back to some sort of, quote, normal, where things are back to less digital, which that's not the case. So I, I think that that kind of frame is really important. Um, and then Shan talked about how there was a the customer delivery scores in general and talked about how that the, the scores themselves being kind of the driver as to what to do next. And in my industry in manufacturing, as we look at these KPIs, it always concerns me because I watch as our suppliers will have certain standards and as long as they meet them, they're okay. And it doesn't seem like that bar ever moves. So I would be wary of folks falling the other way. So as time goes on and if, if time to your point, Scott, if we're looking at at hours and days for 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 really time uh, crunches instead of years in in, in terms of uh, 
um, watching and measuring. Right. If we're looking at these short time periods, now we have to be willing to move that bar just as quickly as, as it, it can move. That's right. Uh, completely agree there. All right. So I want to ask one more quick follow-up question before we get into Alice is going to be talking with both of y'all about some really cool, interesting partnerships we've seen. D-U-L-D-M. You know, we love our acronyms around here uh, in supply chain. You know, I, I was in the military way back when. That teed me up perfectly for supply chain because we love our acronyms in the military as well. But I'm learning, we're all going to learn a new one here today. At least maybe, maybe I am. Alice, maybe you too. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, Sean, D-U-D-U, I'm sorry, D-U-L-D-M, Dynamic Unified Logical Data Model. What are we talking about? Great. Uh, yes, the, I know we were keeping it so business, um, uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll try to answer that. So um, as you know, right, the enterprises are, are, every enterprises, every enterprise is unique, right, in terms of the ERP that they use or the supply chain modules that they use or, or any legacy applications that they use, right? Uh, they're very unique uh, in the way they operate in terms of solutions. And behind the scenes for those solutions, there are, there are, rigid database models, right? They call them as canonical models or, or relational models, right? They're very rigid. And there's only one way to operate that model in terms of, you know, visualizations, visibility, integrations, right? Mobile frameworks or, or any logic that you build, uh, you have to build on the rigid model. But the moment you want enterprises to collaborate with everybody in a faster fashion, that means you cannot be operating on a rigid data model. You should be operating on a flexible data model where you can understand anybody's supply chain data model in a day. So if you have to understand somebody else's supply chain data model in a day, then it has to be logical and dynamic. That's what the dynamic unified logical data model is. Uh, unless you know a platform which enables a, a dynamic logical data model is readily available for, um, uh, for an enterprise, they cannot bring what uh, Venkat is talking about, that, that instant visibility that is real time, not a data warehouse or a data lake, right? That's all data, data. You know, if you want instantaneous data, which is accurate, which you can make decisions on, right? Whether it is changing your production schedule or changing your delivery uh, uh, mechanisms or alternate fulfillment strategies or anything that you want to do in supply chain, right? So you need a, an approach called dynamic unified logical data model. Okay. I love that. So it sounds like to me in the non-technologist speak, I'm limited to, I'm limited to that folks. Uh, you know, um, powering data fluency and integration which allows there to be quick understanding so that you can add value and power partnerships and, and uh, maybe better use of data to, to meet some of these smarter, to, to be able to be able to rather make quicker, smarter decisions faster. Does that make sense? Did I get that in layperson's terms there, Sean? Okay. Definitely. All right. Wonderful. Whew. I feel like uh, I just got some kind of data certification here, Alice. You're, you're laughing though. <laughs> We're going to be talking. Did. You have been certified in DULDM <laughs> plus plus. Plus plus. No. All right. So, moving from that, we're going to be talking in this next segment, Allison, about what can you do with all, all of what Vincat and uh, Sean have been talking about. What is it, how is it playing out in the industry? So, Allison, where are we going next? So, it got me thinking about the Ulta brands inside of Target. So we're talking about some interesting partnerships here. So you got your, your Ulta brands inside of Target, Kohl's that they added, uh, Sephora shops inside their, their stores, Bed Bath & Beyond and Kroger looking at the home and, and baby product integration there. So looking looking out on your thought, Venkat, on some of those interesting partnerships and kind of your, your insight. I think when you really look at it, it's an ecosystem. Play, right, and I think that's very crucial uh, for success of uh, these companies. To, to be told, I was with Sephora when Sephora inside JCPenney happened. No, that was way back, like 10 15 years when we did that. Obviously, JCPenney is a different story, I will not talk about that right now, <laughs> but more around Alta and Target. And then, when you look at Sephora and Coles, I think one is I, I think it's around the uh, uh, footprint increase, right? 
So uh, when you look at the brands like Sephora, that is a win-win uh, situation both for Kohl's as well as for Sephora because they can actually reach out to the number of stores that uh, uh, that they can reach out to. When you look at Sephora, is right now around 300 to 400 stores footprint. And when you look at the Kohl's, it's like thousands of stores that you have. So your, your immediate uh, increase in footprint is uh, from a scaling standpoint. Software is easy to scale. Creating a, a physical footprint is hard to do, right? Uh, and especially having this partnership will help drive that foot traffic. Uh, to the the, the stores because you're bringing in new additional consumer segments into Colts, right? Because of Sephora Loyalist. And that also increases uh, other buying and other categories that the Colts can win as well, right? And then for Sephora, it's basically a footprint increase that they're able to go quickly in terms of scaling from a store infrastructure standpoint. Now, the second aspect of of this, when I I look at overall, is around interoperability, right? Uh, When... It's easier said than done saying that, okay, Sephora inside is it? Sephora inside Kohl's or Alta uh, inside Target is also how, how does the inventory of those systems uh, uh, get managed? Uh, how do you make sure buy online pickup at store, for example, that opens Sephora to have a, a pickup or a returns within uh, uh, Kohl's or within Target because you have a footprint increase uh, tremendously in terms of uh, three or four X, five X scale. And so this, inc- this creates this whole omni-channel capability uh, for whether it's a Fora or Alta or whether even Krugers and Bed, bo- bed Body. Got my, uh, <laughs> bed, Bath and Beyond, bed, right? Bed, Bath and Beyond, sorry for that. So that creates a different business model. No, it's not just uh, foot traffic. It is also all of this omni-channel capability. Buy online, pick up a store or buy online, fulfill from store or the returns that you can do or the lockers you can do. So that creates tremendous opportunity across the board from in terms of the consumer. So you are at where the consumers are, right? That's the whole the nirvana that we want to be. We want to be in the channel where the consumer is. I would say consumer is the channel, not necessarily we generally differentiate that. And that creates uh, opportunity, but also the challenges. When you look at the challenges, how do you integrate two different systems uh, from Kohl's and Sephora, the inventory management, and looking to do all of these different variations. And it, then it, we, we are talking about systems which need to interoperate. No? The, that's the foundation um, for us to work on this partnership partnership. And uh, what we are seeing is just tip of the iceberg. Uh, if I have to, if uh, if I will, because there is more partnership that's going to happen. You see, Sephora, Instacart uh, using that, and, and all of this partnership will continue to play because, uh, and this is an ecosystem play. So that's a good thing overall for the businesses doing that. And obviously, there is more that's going to happen that I see, and also it helps. Uh, it's a win-win situation. Second, it puts from a technology perspective challenges. How do we interoperate between these different companies, different different systems? Uh, basically, we don't want to create our org structure to the to the consumer. No, right. Sephora inside Kohl's should be like a normal store that they buy, right? Whether the loyalty system should work, my POS system should work, my inventory should work. So uh, that becomes very critical in terms of the consumer experience. And so I think that is a challenge that to be solved for, if I have to say, beyond the opportunity. All right. I got to make a quick comment before, Allison, you go to, uh, to Sean here. But can you imagine with this? Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, and it's uh, I think it's a subsidiary. Bye bye, baby. Your grocery store visits or your significant other's grocery store visits have the potential of getting a lot more expensive. Hey, honey, getting milk, eggs, and a crib, or whatever it is. I mean, we, we're going to have to put some constraints on the budget. Or I think that's what to, they're counting on. <laughs> uh, probably so. I imagine that and, and the convenience to be able to pick it up right there, right? Okay. If, sorry, Scott. If I, if I put uh, uh, my family man hat, yes, I agree with you, but my businessman hat, I think that's not something I want to admit to. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Vincat, this is uh, this can be a great marriage uh, between Bed Bath & Beyond and yeah, Kroger. Exactly. If y'all have those down, and I think Kro- well, yeah. Kroger is nationwide, if, if not. Yes, America. it is. It is. All right. Uh, all right, Allison, we're going to get Shane, uh, Sean's take next, right? Yes. Yes. So, Sean, so what, what do you think about these partnerships and what's some of your insights? Look, a few years ago, when, when, when these things were happening, and especially definitely from Amazon, Whole Foods, certain things worked and certain things did not work. Uh, so, so we, we were wondering, right, how this is all going to work, right? But, but a couple of months ago, I attended a conference uh, in Atlanta, right, uh, like a supply chain conference conference. Uh, 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 you know, uh, CSCMP, and I was surprised even competitors want to work together to optimize transportation because they're saying, why do I send two trucks half empty, right, uh, during the peak time in, in, in New York City, even though I'm competing, right, I, we, we could both save money. So as, as Venkat pointed out, this is just the, you know, starting point, 
a lot of players may come together and, and operate together. But, but uh, in terms of there is, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, solutioning, right, uh, you know, uh, pitching, pitching our uh, product as UC Boss, uh, you know, uh, talking about the logical data models, right? Uh, the platform supports multiple data models to coexist. So uh, this is really music to our ears when, when five companies says, can we collaborate in a single platform, five different data models, and can we control who can see the data at the same time, if required for transportation reasons or fulfillment, I want to combine that uh, for optimization reasons, we can do that. So, so whenever these partnerships are happening, we are definitely taking advantage of that. And, and as, as Venkat said, this is going to be more and more happening so that you don't have to, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, you know, I don't know if you remember, right? There, there was a company called Sears, right? And, and I still remember they got 2 million square footage warehouses and, you know, uh, you know, multi-million automation investments, uh, but they were operating as one company. They were not, right? But, but you know, if, if they let other companies u- utilize their space, utilize their supply chain, utilize their delivery models, right? Maybe they would have survived. So, so, so now, uh, right, you know, new ways of doing business. New ways of doing business. And, and I've got Sears to thank for selling me my first uh, three CD change your stereo way back in the day, Allison. One other thing, quick comment before we move into artificial intelligence, machine learning. The other day, I saw UPS, right? Big old global brand put out a uh, corporate video kind of celebrating peak season, getting through it and celebrating the workforce that made it happen, right? To Sean's point about these big brands that are natural competitors, but kind of collaborating, there's a moment in a UPS video where a FedEx delivery driver and a UPS delivery driver are basically giving each other a high five in a piece that UPS is promoting. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a three second uh, clip, but that is a, in my view, that's a beautiful thing, right? You can compete, but it can be a competition at times as many of these transportation companies have done with uh, big initiatives like the vaccine distribution. So, um, all right. So from here, we want to get kind of moving from the innovative partnerships we're seeing, which we're probably going to see a lot more of uh, in the months ahead. Let's talk more about artificial intelligence, machine learning. It certainly seems to be the golden age of AI and ML. I don't know if they call it ML, but regardless, uh, the golden age for these things. So I want to start with you, uh, Vincat. Uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence, machine learning, and its current state of adoption in the retail industry, speak to that for a second. And then also speak to what do you think is holding it back from what more widespread adoption? I think you rightfully said we are in the golden age of computing. Uh, I also say that uh, to my team, we are in the Cambrian explosion of AI. AI is like as disruptive as steam engine is, as disruptive as internet is, as disruptive as mobile phone is. I think this is pervasive. It's going to be very pervasive whether we notice or not. When you use Spotify, you're looking at the recommendation, you're looking at the list and all of that. So it's already there across the board for the last, uh, I would say, uh, last 10 years. And uh, because of the, the cloud computing costs, because the storage costs has reduced the amount of data that we are getting, I think we are able to run several sophisticated machine learning algorithms, which was not possible 20 years back, right? And that's the key. I think the stars are lining up uh, right now. And what that means is that now AI is accessible to everyone, which was previously only to like Amazon or Facebook or Microsoft. Now, what's happening is that this created an explosion of AI startups across the board who are bringing in tools uh, and capabilities for enterprise to take advantage of it. So it's becoming a level playing field overall, right? So it's not just with uh, Facebook and Microsoft and uh, and Google of the world, right? Now, they're also actually uh, cre- contributing to the community. They're sharing that open source. So I think it's benefiting uh, generally uh, across the board. Now, within uh, retail, when you look at it, uh, it, it has a full, when we look at a company value chain, uh, uh, starting from your brand building all the way to your post-purchase, consumer experience, AI and machine learning is going to be pervasive across the board, uh, both from a revenue standpoint, um, as well as from an efficiency and productivity standpoint. And there was a study that I saw, I think in, by 2025 or 2026, 30 to 40% of the revenue will be AI or ML driven. Right, uh, that's where maybe we are going overall. And then that, when you look at the efficiency in terms of automation, in terms of, I think, uh, Sean talked about a little bit about the manual aspect that the companies are doing. So right. you can create a, create efficiency, the speed that we need in terms of decision making. And I I, I believe that it's a it, it, we are in a, a great time in terms of leveraging AI 
the technology got sophisticated. Uh, I think it's creating a level playing field. We get AI startups investments. If you really look at in the last uh, 10 months, the amount of investment in AI startup has been exploding. Crazy. Right. You know? And the number of companies are going public is also great. And I think that creates a momentum. Now, with respect to how well the retail aspect of it, I think it's, if I have to give a general view, I think it has started in more on the personalization, recommendation, using and demand forecasting, I think somewhere on demand sensing and demand shaping capabilities. So I think some companies are really in advanced stage and some companies are actually in the early stage of leveraging AI and ML. Now, what with respect to adoption challenges? No, uh, So AI and ML is not a, a technology problem. It's a business problem. Meaning that how are the business able to take advantage of AI and rethink their business model, rethink uh, their day-to-day -day job. How do I, you, for example, a planning or a merchandising making decision through intuition versus an AML providing a recommendation of what the right product portfolio, what should be the right pricing? Because it can look at millions of millions of data points and give you a recommendation. I think this is a pricing that you need to look at, right? From a dynamic pricing standpoint, which, uh, which takes uh, several days or months for a planning uh, person to do. So that means the shift is, uh, is we wanted the employees to focus on the higher order bit, not the manual things. No, that means a shift in working towards the employees. Hey, you're going to make strategic decisions and let's do the machine do what it does really well. No, able to go over vast amount of data and able to give you the recommendation and the shift that needs to happen. So that is the first fundamental in terms of reskilling and upskilling our employees to take under, take advantage of AI. Second, in terms of Automation and automation is always looked at, hey, it's going to take my job or not. I think that's what I think automation is going to enhance human decisions, right? In terms of the scale in which it can provide and the time in which it provides. So the employees can actually focus on more strategic work. So it's, I, I see it's more of an augmented intelligence, not necessarily a replacement intelligence. The third is the skill and talent gap. And even though AI startups are giving the tools, AI requires a different mindset. And if you look at the data science, it's one of the hottest roles. And uh, recruiting and retaining the talent is pretty hard. It's an, it's an employee market. No? So that's a challenge, challenge for any traditional enterprise of taking uh, AI adoption overall. And the fourth important point is AI ethics. I think uh, we all heard about uh, five months back what happened with Facebook and Twitter in terms of uh, all the misinformation, how AI machine learning needs to be removing the bias. Uh, whether it's gender bias or data bias, so able to have uh, AI ethics is very critical. You see in Europe, actually, they passed very strict about the AI ethics. So that is going to be a pretty important aspect from an adoption standpoint. How do we ethically adopt AI? You know, we look at the deep fakes that's coming in. Someone can actually make a video of me as so I'm speaking. You know, that, so those things that we need to take into consideration from a, a mis or disinformation perspective and have ethical aspect of AI utilization is going to be. But AI is a big umbrella. Machine learning is one aspect of it. You have computer vision, you look at uh, uh, Tesla, you pretty much can drive without uh, uh, automa automated driving that hopefully the Nirvana will happen in the next few years. And across, even when you look at the computer vision, the amount of thing that's happening is breathtaking, right? And, and we are in the inflection of getting even having, I think, I think Sean briefly talked about some of the automation robots in distribution center. Right. And when you look at uh, the amount of automation that's happening, it's just tremendous, you know, including when you look at drones and stuff like that. So I don't want to throw a lot of technology terms here, but... Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. It's breathtaking. It's, it's it is breathtaking. Well, remember, no... But but Scott, you already have your DULDM plus plus certification, so you should know this. Well, folks, the joke's on y'all. This isn't Scott. This is a computer animated uh, image lead interview here today. Um, all right. Well, one one quick point, and and, and Vincat shared a lot there. Uh, basically, a uh, a certification of itself in his answer. I love how you dissected kind of the whole situation. But one point, one really important point we hear time and time again from savvy folks, savvy technologists, was one of the points he made. It's not a technology challenge. It's a business challenge, right? And I would add to, and, and Sean, we're coming to you next, but I would add to, you know, what's ho what is holding AI and ML and more computing back is that shiny object uh, syndrome, right? Folks are, leaders are getting it, they're buying it, they're budgeting for it, and they're throwing it over to the team. And there's no results. There's no engagement, right? When you make a really strong business case around the right technology at the right time with the right problem, with the right objective, with the right solution and, and the right return, 
that that's the secret sauce, right? That's the secret sauce. So I love that point. It's a business case. It's not technology. Um, so Sean, on that note, I want to stick with you here for a second. And Allison, I'll come to you. I'd love to get your take on what Vincat and Sean shared here in just a second. But let's stick with um, current adoption, what's holding back more adoption. And then I'm going to give one very specific example in a minute. But, but speak to that, Sean, if you would. Oh, definitely. So, so, so Vincat is from, from a you know, retail industry, right? A lot of retailers doing a lot of you know, AAML. But I want to share a story. Uh, I think end of November or, or you know, beginning part of Jan, uh, you know, uh, December. This is a food manufacturing company, like you know, top 50 in, in the US, right? They're distributing to schools, distributing to restaurants, right? Food, right? You know, we thought we are going in for our platform, you know, saying that we are good in inventory, pre-allocation, policies, procedures, you know, multi-data model, multi-ERP. And we walked in and they said, you know what, we want you to apply AML, determining, right? When you ship this food product to this particular customer, you know, how long of a shelf life should you give them? Instead of them asking for a shelf life, they want to do AML and determine what kind of shelf life I should give them so that it's favorable to them and favorable to you. Mm. Right. And and we were thinking, you know, this is you know selling chicken. Who would apply? Right. And I agree with Wenket, right? This is all business driven. This is nothing to do with technology. And, and uh, so the challenge we faced was that we have to overcome, right? Is I thought AAML is, is an independent engine algorithm running and making some decisions, right? Now, I need to embed this in, in an interactive workflow and make a business decisions on the fly when I'm going and allocating an inventory and picking it or when I'm going and you know, uh, keeping the temperature in, in the cooler at the right level, right? And it, this is becoming a different business case. It's, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not something I know fancy, I don't want to touch anymore. We see a real need uh, right now. Uh, and and uh, right. And as, as Venkat uh, said, we are now after, where are these guys, right? How do we hire them? <laughs> so I love that's it. where we are right now. Sean, I love the different conversation, the one that your, your example there, that, that is, you know, you're reaching and you're, 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 you're having the right conversation when it's not so focused right there in the moment. It's, it's going upstream. It's going back to root cause. And how can we make the business better, the business model better. Okay. Allison, Vincat and Sean have shared a lot there as we talk about AI and, and ML in the retail industry. Your thoughts? So yeah, there's been a lot. I'm taking notes. And something that got me thinking, there was a recent article I read from Lockheed Martin. They partnered with, I believe, Amazon for Alexa and Cisco on the Orion spacecraft and talking about those different technology pieces that play into things. And it reminds me of, you know, they say that you can't be everything to everyone, right? And so you have a lot of companies that they try to be everything to everyone and they they fail miserably. And so some of them do it pretty well. But most of the time we go to certain brands or certain companies because we know they're really good at something for us. And it kind of reminds me these partnerships that they're talking about, especially the technology piece and the AI, it, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of these kind of partnerships, going back to the partnerships, a lot more of these because it, the people that are really good at that kind of thing are going to lend their expertise to the people that are really good at something else. Yeah, you get the best of both worlds, kind of what I'm hearing you say. And by the way, you're talking about Orion spacecraft. How about that James Webb Space Telescope and that mission, as we're recording us here today, uh, I want to say they're uh, about three quarters of the way to the L2 orbit and and thousands of things have had to go right. And it is just fascinating to watch that. Talk about, uh, the, I'm sure, the AI, the ML, and all the technology at play there. I want to keep our finger on the pulse. Okay, one more question. When it comes to artificial intelligence, machine learning, I want to, uh, Vincat and Sean, if we can get y'all's Reader's Digest version or answer to this question, I was looking for my... I actually subscribe to Reader's Digest. I'm probably one of seven folks that still get that get that <laughs> magazine, but it's still around. So out of stock. How often have we heard that the last couple of years, right? Despite our best planning, all these curveballs, you name it. Uh, Vincat walked through some of the challenges uh, earlier in the, in the conversation. We've seen a wide variety of product shortages. 
some of that beyond the planning, some of that has been due to expired and damaged products, right? So then Kat, uh, again, succinct answer, how does AI and ML help here? Well, I think that's a great question. I think it's a great applicability of AI and ML. If I look at AI and ML, it's nothing but prediction, right? If I have to simplify to the corest point, so an ability to predict when a specific product is going to be expired or a specific product will not have a demand or, or even creating a demand for those products is all about prediction end of the day, right? And when I talked about the, what machine does well is about able to scale and look at all the different disparate data points, no? across the world, whether looking at the weather data, whether it's looking at uh, the competition data, whether it's looking at uh, historical data, and able to uh, provide uh, a meaningful and uh, decision-making process. Some of them, uh, in some companies, is completely automated. AI is making decisions. In some cases, you the AI recommends where the human uh, makes the actual decision because of several factors to it. When you look at uh, the, whether it's a product shortage and ability to uh, kind of predict when that will happen and what foreseeable circumstances or even doing a what if scenario modeling, uh, for example, to look at it, or even uh, projecting a certain um, uh, unforeseeable disruption to see what might ha- happen or power of AI and ML that you can do, right? And when you look at deep learning, um, and obviously, uh, if you ask how deep learning works, everybody will have their own. It's like a, try to explain the quantum uh, computing or quantum mechanics. So it's, a, it's similar to deep learning. When you look at the deep learning, one of the aspects of machine learning has such a power to look at those in terms of the neural networks and what what possibility that can do. All of the problem that you talked about, whether it's product shortages, product expiry, able to look at the demand. I think AI ML has a, an interesting part to play there. And it's already doing, if you look at Amazon, is driven by AI ML predominantly. Right. And they're successful. One of the things I, I forgot to say, uh, Amazon, even though it's a customer obsession company, they are successful not because of the experience, because of their supply chain. Yes. I love that. Uh, they are obsessed with their customers and they reinvent their understanding of uh, of their customers, it seems like, by the hour. I love that. Certainly dynamic. Sean, your take, again, we're talking um, you know, out of stocks, expired damaged products. Uh, really quick, how can AI ML help there? You know, as Venka pointed out, right? Uh, so when you say damaged product or, or, or uh, out of stock, traditionally without AI ML as a supply chain consultant, I'm always thinking, right? Is the inventory there? Is is the, is the delivery going to happen? Right? Did I do a cycle count? Did I uh, right look into uh, look into the uh, you know uh, you know delivery signal from transportation? I'm always looking into the data, right? I'm not looking into a pattern. I, I'm, 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 but the data could be wrong too. But the moment uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, AML is you know implemented, it can predict not only the right data; it can predict the wrong data, right? right. The data could be correct, meaning Scott may be saying, "I'm going to deliver it to you," but AI is going to say, "You know what? Every December, Scott fails because instead of shipping, he will go to Disney, right?" <laughs> So, so, uh, so, 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 AIML is definitely going to, you know, add more business value in terms of out of stock. Then, not only that, you were also asking about planning, right? I, I pretty much told my consultants there is no point in doing any more planning based on traditional data. If you're not applying AIML in your planning and forecasting, forget about it. You you would rather throw a dot and just say buy something for a budget, and and just come up with some algorithm to go sell it rather than just wasting your time and, and you know, uh, you know, on the traditional forecasting and planning, right? I know Venkat is a big fan of AML. He, you know, he focuses with a ton of scientists uh, and uh, it's hard for uh, any, any, like a, you know, product company to catch up. There are certain enterprises are so ahead in that game yep. And, yep. and his company is one of them. And we definitely want to recognize the fact that, you know, th- there's a reason why these companies are very innovative, right? Uh, it's, you know, uh, because of, you know, one point you mentioned is digital, right? You know, you know, even 10 years ago, a few enterprises realized 50% of the business have to go digital if they have to survive, right? And as, as now Winkert is point, pointing out, if you can, you know, bring in AML, then definitely you will be, uh, you know, ahead of the game in 10 years. You'll be built to not just survive, but thrive. Yep. Okay. And I love how Allison, he said, uh, forget about it. And I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to get that like uh, the Sopranos or something. But I love how Sean uh, threw, 
threw that in there. Maybe one of y'all can do a better impersonation. I can, but Allison, what'd you hear between our two friends here? Yeah. The, the challenges involved of that, that out of stock and inventory with AI, it, I think we're constantly living it as from the user experience too, right? I had just logged on this morning to find something put it in my cart, went to go check out. And it's like out of stock. I'm like, it says, it says it's in stock. I refreshed. I tried a different browser. I went back. St- it, I still got an error. So little tiny, little frustrating things like that from a user perspective kind of puts things into perspective from the other side of things and being able to, um, again, be write the programs or, or facilitate the team that is ultimately writing the AI that feeds into whether or not your, your inventory is read in real time or, or how that works. And I mean, it's just these teeny tiny little pieces that ultimately make up this massive wave. You're right. Absolutely right. Okay. For the sake of time, I want to get to, even though Vincat said he didn't have a crystal ball, uh, we're going to pretend both of y'all do. And by the way, Allison, you, you're not getting out of this question here. Um, I want to talk about here now that we're in 2022, what is one thing that business leaders can expect more of here in this new, hopefully better year, right? 2021, I think was a good year. When you look at learning, you look at some of these partnerships, you look at some of the ways that we got a, got past some of these old and new challenges. But I think all of us globally are hoping for a much better year for everyone here in 2022 and, and hopefully getting into truly a post-pandemic environment. But Vincat, Give us a bold prediction. What's one thing that business leaders can expect more of here in 2022? I think if you have learned something from 2022 is embrace uncertainty. Uh, I think that's going to be the key. Uh, Given all the disruption that we have seen because of COVID and other things, whether it's geopolitical changes or uh, pandemic, obviously pandemic, or hopefully endemic this year. But one thing that we should never forget that we have learned in the last two years, and I think Probably we'll step back five years from now. A lot of case study will happen. How we went through this uh, a disruption uh, one once in a lifetime event that we have seen through pandemic is embrace uncertainty. Right? What that means, I'm being very general about uncertainty. Uncertainty when you look at supply chain, supply chain is only probably never had a risk risk management at all. Contingency planning was not there. You look at uh, just in time manufacturing is right out of the window. What happened with respect to COVID? So. Uh, the most important learnings that I would say is embrace uncertainty and treat every crisis as an opportunity, right? Is what I would actually say, right? I think that's, for me personally, that's the learning that I would see. Obviously, the, the technology will happen. I think a lot of innovation will be there. AI startups will uh, will come on board. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, consumer uh, shifts is happening. Uh, uh, hopefully, we can go back to uh, new industries can come back and the industries which got uh, destroyed due to COVID will also come back. But for me, the most important learning is embrace uncertainty and treat every crisis as an opportunity. I love that. I want to share... Amazon has been mentioned uh, a ton of times here. It uh, seems like throughout the conversation, as it probably is mentioned uh, a lot of times throughout any conversation related to supply chain and beyond these days. Vincat's talking about embracing uncertainty. Jeff Bezos, whether you like him, you love him, or you don't like him, whatever, you got to admire his business intellect. He said, quote, what we need to do is always lean into the future when the world changes around you. And when it changes against you, what used to be a tailwind is now a headwind. You got to lean into that and figure out what to do because he says complaining isn't a strategy, end quote. I love that. Okay, Sean, crystal ball time. What is one big, bold, fearless prediction you've got that business leaders can expect in 2022? So in in, in my view, uh, you know, enterprises are going to uh, realize their supply chain, whether you call that as an innovation or transformation, Right. They are. They have to force themselves. They are going to force themselves in, into a loop where it is not. I have to come up with one strategy one time, right? As as, as said, right? So it's, you know, I I need to manage the uncertainties. It could happen every week or every month or every quarter, right? So that means I should be ready and resilient enough with my supply chain, with my technologies, or with my technology roadmap, right? It could be new things, right? So that's where they will go after. They will, you know, the, the enterprises will be built to, as you said, right, to, to, to thrive, and they will be the one who will be in the market. 
right? People who think about, you know what, I somehow I have to survive. I don't think they're going to survive. It, it's going to be the world of who can manage this uncertainty, then, you know, who can build a resilient supply chain, right? Who's open enough to, you know, uh, for new technologies, uh, and, and they are the one uh, going to explode. I don't think business growth is going to be an issue for them. Mm. Even if you n- looked into the last few months, right? You know, look into the, you know, even UPS, look into what they reported, right? Look into A-Hold or look into Publix and what they reported, right? And uh, the good, the, the companies who, who can reinvent themselves, who can, uh, right, uh, and, you know, uh, be resilient in their supply chain, they are doing pretty good. The challenges they are facing are different right now, right? Capacity and labor shortage and technologies and other things. But, but those are the companies, you know, going to survive. And I don't see there is a room for uh, laggards anymore. I love, okay. So we said bold and fearless. Sean brought it. Uh, so Allison, uh, Vincat, and Sean have, have set a pretty high standard. So, Allison, what is your take uh, on what folks can expect, business leaders can expect in 2022? Sean just said, if you're a slacker, get in the back of the line. That's <laughs> That was what he just said. Well, yeah, no, I think my crystal ball uh, overlaps a little bit. The two of them, that their discussion that really got me thinking about that old school mentality of playing cards close to the vest, kind of that that easy to fall back into as a business owner to think, oh, I can't tell people what I'm thinking. Um, that's got to go away. And I think that the idea of competitors working together and working to facilitate bigger revenue for everybody, bigger bigger margins for everybody, makes me think of, yes, there's a pie and yes, everybody gets a slice and everybody's concerned about that size of slice. But what if the pie was bigger and you still got that same slice, but ultimately that, that piece is bigger. So that's, I think, where companies are going to really start becoming more successful in those partnerships. And then, yeah, ultimately, just what Chan said, where it's businesses thinking differently. I think that's going to be real key. I'm with you. I'm with you. As long as the pie can be peek in, I am with you step for step, Alice. It's pecan. It's pecan. <laughs> All right, folks. We have had a uh, quite a conversation, uh, covered a lot of ground. Went deep in, in 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 some areas, which hey, it in an environment that we're getting through right now with with the inter so many roads were were at the intersection of you're not going to solve anything in an hour. And I really appreciate Ben Katz and Sean and you, Allison, kind of as a pseudo host, pseudo guest host, weighing in on some things and uh, helping us get through what we're seeing uh, from a technology standpoint, uh, a customer experience standpoint, those those consumer promises and what's to come. All right, so let's go around the horn, make sure everyone knows how to connect with our panel here. Vincat, let's start with you. Vincat, how can folks connect with you? Uh, I'm active on LinkedIn, so they can actually search me on LinkedIn and get connected on LinkedIn. And uh, I would be happy to talk to folks or uh, exchange ideas or being a sounding board. Uh, uh, They can use me in whatever the fashions. I'm very passionate about uh, technology, supply chain, data analytics. So looking forward to uh, meeting the like-minded peoples. I love that. And Venkat, on behalf of our entire team here, congratulations on your newest addition to the, the family. Uh, that's exciting. We'll have to get, a, have to get some pictures and get, get caught up as you progress through 2022 with that new addition. So that's wonderful to hear about. Venkat, uh, Gopalan, Chief Digital Officer, Chief Technology Officer, and Chief Data Officer with Bell Corp. Uh, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, Sean, great to have you back. Always a pleasure. I'm, I'm still blown away with what you're doing in your free time with the, the orphanage. We're going to have to talk more about that. Uh, we'd love to find a way to support you and in, in that initiative if we can. That is just so admirable. Uh, so we'll have to, to, to connect offline. But how can folks connect with you and UC Boss, Sean? I'm active on LinkedIn. Uh, I operate my own LinkedIn. Then, then, as you know, there's a marketing team which operates my Twitter and other things. But definitely LinkedIn. <laughs> I am always active. Uh, that's the way I'm. You know, even uh, my 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 college buddies and and uh, uh, you know uh, all kinds of people who are in the industry and supply chain and analysts. Right. I'm connected uh, through LinkedIn, uh, and uh, that's the only professional forum uh, that I see. Uh, they can definitely find me there. And, and UC Boss, you know, is on LinkedIn. It's also, uh, you know, uh, ucboss.com. Uh, they can also reach out to Larry Layden, who's uh, leading our business development as an SVP, definitely. And we, you know, he is, 
He has just uh, he's launching today a, a, a pilot program in production for fifty thousand dollar all inclusive. So you know they can be in the lookout for that, right? Any type of complex uh, projects that the enterprises want to do, no strings attached. Uh, for three months, all inclusive meaning you get the cloud software, you get the cloud, all consulting included. Uh, you know all high end. Uh, a supply chain consulting included for three months uh, for that you know small amount uh, and no strings attached. We are wheeling and dealing here on supply chain now. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. Great to have you back. I love to see the growth at the UC Boss team and and I really appreciate what you brought here today and and especially just some of the stories and some of the, some of the conversations you are having out there that are different than than everyone else. That's so important. So thank you so much. Sean Mutavelu, CEO at UC Boss. Thank you, Scott. Thanks you for bet. having me. You bet. We'll have you back soon. Allison, gosh, it seems like with Vincat and Sean, we could solve a lot of industry ills. Uh, got one heck of a dynamic duo. Your thoughts, and let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and WinTech. Well, it's great seeing people this passionate in the industry because you know the stuff's going to get done. And you know what they say is if you want something done, give it to a busy person. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure that the two of them will be just fine in solving <laughs> all of the problems. Um, no, I'd love to connect with people. I'm on LinkedIn. Find me under Allison Giddens. Would love to connect. Wonderful. And Allison Giddens with the award-winning WinTech team here in Metro Atlanta. Always a pleasure to do these conversations with you. Folks, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation and learned as much as I did uh, as we walked through uh, these topics here with Vincat, Sean, and Allison. If you like these conversations, check us out at supplychainnow.com. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts from. But hey, most importantly, hey, be like Sean in particular, all of y'all, but Sean, man, with, it, with what he's doing in his free time, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.